Hello, I'm Mark and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. This week I am discussing how researchers can work with the creative arts in their pursuit of impact. Rather than seeing creative arts practitioners as an add-on to a research team to help communicate research, I want to explore the potential for a more collaborative, richer and more meaningful approach to co-producing research and impact with arts practitioners. I'm going to explore this issue with a couple of guests this week, so I'm not going to give you a tip of the week to give me time to discuss the issues properly with these two researchers. So to do this, I've been out and about uh, up in Dundee to visit Sarah Cook and then at home in Newcastle with my colleague and collaborator Liz Orton. But first to Dundee. So I'm here in the University of Dundee here with uh, Sarah Cook uh, and one of the ways in which Sarah works with uh, both artists and academics is through her role as a curator. Uh, and uh, so Sarah, just tell us a little bit more about yourself first of all um, and, and your role and I'd be interested in to hear a little bit more about how you uh, enable academics to work with artists uh, as part of the research process, but uh, also in terms of then uh, public engagement and the pursuit of, of impact. So Sarah, tell, tell us a bit more about yourself. It's kind of unusual because I'm also a research academic. So I work in the field of contemporary art, but artists working with artists who are at the interdisciplinary boundaries between art and technology or art and science, art and new media. And so I have a hybrid role in that part of the time I am curating work and part of the time I am actually doing research around the ways in which art can tell us about the informational age we live in now or the ways in which curators might work with artists, how artists commissioned, exhibited, preserved and the like. So in terms of the people I'm working with, they would range from academics to museums to artists who maybe have no experience of either academia or the contemporary art world from the museum side. Yeah, so as ever, um, it's remarkable. You, you are working as a, a knowledge broker, effectively, uh, brokering relationships um, and, and knowledge between groups of people who, who don't necessarily uh, just bump into each other. Uh, and um, very often, knowledge brokers, uh, such as yourselves, uh, are, are kind of hidden in the academy. You don't kind of typically advertise your services, um, but but you but you are there uh, and uh, and quietly you're doing this this work of, of connecting people, uh, of of creating uh, creative collisions uh, between people who can actually work very effectively together to uh, generate knowledge in new ways and generate impact uh, in new ways. Give us a flavour for, for some of the, the kind of projects you've worked on and, and how you, you have brokered these relationships and, and what has come of some of those relationships. Well, at the moment I'm working within Life Space, which is a science art research gallery here at the university and within the School of Life Sciences. And so artists generally are seen from the perspective of scientists as people who might illustrate their research and make pretty images of their findings. And because I'm a curator who's worked with artists for a long time, I don't 
subscribe to that notion. And I'm much more interested in artists making great art, scientists making great science, but then being informed by conversations with each other. So artists might approach me because they are interested in an area of research, scientific research, and they want to know more about it, and they want to seek expert advice from a scientist about it. And then through that conversation, the scientist might discover that they're thinking about their world a little differently now, and they might recognize that the artist has brought a different perspective to the work that they're doing, and that might result in some kind of collaboration or commission. It could be that the artist has a very clear idea about what they're working on and they need to test something, and it could be that the scientist has some idea that they want to reach a public in a different way and that the artist might work in such a way that that public can be reached through their work. And again, I think that is slightly different from thinking about it as illustration. So I've worked with a pair of artists who call Thompson and Craighead, John and Allison, and they uh, talk to computational biologists about the way in which the human genome is stored as a data set. And they've made a work of art called Stutterer that actually tries to understand the human genome in terms of the size of it. It's three and a half billion letters of code. And Thompson and Craighead often work with found material and with uh, media material in their work anyway. So to them, to have a data set of that size and magnitude that would lasts a whole lifetime if you tried to read it from beginning to end, fitting very well with the kind of artwork they make that is about our relationship to information, to time, through media landscape. And from the computational biologist's perspective, it was interesting for them to think that actually the general public don't really understand what the human genome is. They don't know what it looks like. They know that it's important, but how it actually reflects their research around discovering new aspects of it or the difficulty of decoding it or the way in which the human genome as a data set has changed over the 15 years that we've known about it, that was all possible to be communicated through John and Allison's investigation of it as artists. Fantastic. What I love is the, the level of respect uh, that, that you're talking about here. And uh, I think maybe 10, 20 years ago, uh, social scientists uh, were the kind of the add-ons uh, to natural or physical science projects of yeah we'll get some social scientists in here to kind of do our impact or make us relevant um, uh, and and it, it wasn't particularly respectful and I think we've seen a real change in that uh, uh, and uh, certainly the projects that I've, I'm involved with aware of um, uh, social scientists uh, typically now work as equals, as partners in projects, very often lead projects uh, with natural scientists embedded within their frameworks. Uh, uh, but, but I think that uh, in terms of uh, artistic practice, uh, perhaps less arts and humanities scholarship, but artistic practice, it seems to be lagging behind. And very often we are still seeing it being treated as, as this kind of add-on uh, that, yeah, well, you guys can illustrate our findings and help get us impact and do our public engagement for us. Uh, and, and I think what you're talking about here is, is a very different type of collaboration. Uh, and what is, is really beautiful about this is, is the win-win, that you have a, a researcher who is now thinking differently, who has new insights um, and is perhaps able to communicate uh, their work more effectively to the outside world. And at the same time, in parallel with that, uh, an artist who has new material, who has access to new ideas and new concepts and is able then to try them out and actually produce art which they wouldn't have been able to create without those conversations with, uh, with, with the scientists. Uh, and that win-win is, is, is not something that, that I see a lot 
um, in, in the research world, uh, I would love to see more of. And, uh, and for me, I wonder how, how important your role is in, in making that happen. Uh, if a, a random uh, scientist and a random artist bump into each other in the pub, it sounds like the beginning of a, a joke, but uh, to what extent uh, is it likely that they would actually um, find some kind of common ground? What is to your role like in terms of the translation and and the the, the actual building of relationships and do, do we need more people like you to to make this happen well luckily in dundee artists and scientists bump into each other in the pub all the time and i think they do talk about interesting things i still do encounter people who think that the role of the artist is to come in at the end and illustrate and often that's come from a very uh, honest approach from part of the scientist saying well I've got this stuff and I don't want to be the one who uses it because I know I'm not skilled in that so I want someone else with that skill and I think you initially say yes to the scientist I will find you someone with that skill but then you ensure that at the point that they meet that the scientist realises that the artist is not going to use it in the way the scientist thinks they're going to and that actually they're going to discover something else about a working process and that the scientist then trusts the artist to go away and come up with something different. And so it does take a huge amount of trust on all sides. And so my role might also be reassurance as much as it might be brokering in the first place. And the reassurance might be in the sense of, well, the artist knows their audience and the artist knows the type of venues that their work would make sense in. And so let's pursue that network because that's what you would do if you were working with another scientific colleague is you would rely on that scientific colleague for their network and their knowledge of their discipline area or their field or their location. So why don't you also apply that to the artist and say, well, the artist knows best where this work might gain the greatest impact in terms of how it might be shown or what's required for it. And so I'm reinforcing those on both sides. So backing up the artist's own perspective and also backing up the scientist's own concerns or needs and making sure that no one's completely missold on what they think the other party's going to do. So, so finally, I'm wondering, um, either from your own experience as an academic in your own right, uh, or from the perspective of uh, other academics that you have match made in this way, um, give us a, a flavour of some of the, the kinds of insights or new ways of thinking um, or benefits that, uh, that you would articulate or researchers you've worked with would articulate as a result of having engaged with, with artists uh, as part of the research process. Curious, curious about the time frames involved. Um, I think iterative processes, recognizing that an artist may go through a similar experimental system and they might throw away things that don't work and only choose to show you the things that do work. And actually a lot of other academic researchers do the same, try to bury the stuff that didn't really pan out and highlight the stuff that did. And so I think there's a certain, once they realize that artists do that too, then there's a certain amount of comfortable familiarity there. Um, from my perspective as an academic, I think about um, what the length of time is involved in the impact of the work. So we don't know actually which works of art are going to be the ones that are going to be most remembered and be most influential. And that's partially consensus and accretion over time, partially what the museum chooses to collect, what gets the most press, etc. But I'm not at the outset when I'm working with an artist and they're creating a new work of art. 
I'm not looking for that artwork to have immediate impact necessarily. I don't think it has to. It just has to come into the world and change the minds of the people who encounter and experience the work, and maybe that will be 10 years from now. So I try to not worry about that and allow the artist to be working within the context that they would work in anyway. And so that is something that I think is a little bit at odds when we try to force these relationships such that we're aiming for a very particular impact at a particular time. I think if you're going to work with a contemporary artist, you have to be prepared to understand that we're playing a long game here. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. I've learned a lot. Uh, thank you very much for, for sharing some of your, your insights, uh, Sarah Cook. Really appreciate it. Okay, so I'm now on home territory, actually in my own office for once here at uh, Newcastle University uh, with uh, long-time collaborator Liz Autumn, uh, who has been really teaching me a huge amount about the ways in which we can engage more effectively with uh, art practitioners and enabling me to think much more out of the box on this stuff. So I'd really like to, to explore some of these issues in some more depth um, with you today, Liz. Liz, can you start out with just telling us uh, your, your role uh, as a researcher, but also uh, at, as an artist uh, and the ways in which you currently collaborate with, uh, with the arts? Of course, uh, I'm, as Mark said, Liz Orton. I've been a principal researcher here at CRE for ooh, over 10 years now. That's the Centre for Rural Economy. Centre for Rural Economy, yeah. indeed. Um, I'm a social scientist by training, but much of my work over these last 10 years has been concerned with developing interdisciplinary practice, particularly with natural scientists. My personal interest, though, has always been in the fine arts and arts and crafts. And over the last year, I've been very lucky in that I've also been able to start on a fine, a fine art degree here at Newcastle. So I'm also a first year fine art student. <laughs> It's a very brave step to take indeed <laughs> and uh, fascinating as, as a journey, the, the stuff that, that you're learning with your fellow students. You just in fact had your end of year first, first year uh, we did degree indeed. show. Yeah. yeah, we did indeed. And I have to say I'm very, very lucky because I'm surrounded by incredibly talented first years, which means that uh, it, they up the game enormously, but it's very stimulating, very hard working bunch. Fantastic. So one of the other things that you do here in the Centre for Rural Economy is to help manage our Artists in Residence programme uh, in collaboration with Berwick Visual Arts. Yes. Um, and uh, as part of that, you're uh, engaging with a range of different uh, artists and researchers. Um, and it varies in terms of how collaborative it is, but one of the things that, that seems to be a hallmark of these, these projects is the way in which they enable uh, us as an institution to engage in different and more creative ways with our publics and, and stakeholders around the kinds of issues that people research here. Tell us a bit more about what you're doing with the, the Artists in Residence programme. Well, as you say, quite rightly, I've just taken over as being the link person here at CRE. Um, we have had this very fruitful relationship with, with Beric for some years now and had some wonderful artists in residence, including choreographers, photographers, filmmakers. 
And I think one of the very interesting things that they do is bring to our attention different ways of understanding the rural areas within which we're working. So they bring a completely different perspective. Um, and that's been very exciting. So interestingly, these are now qualitatively new and different perspectives on the issues that researchers within the centre are, are studying. Uh, and rather than publishing those insights in, in journals or books, uh, they, they are typically sharing those findings with both the public uh, and with the, the researchers through their exhibitions, film showings, uh, etc. Um, and it strikes me that sometimes this is a process of generating new insights in parallel. Um, it's the same issues, but it's a very separate process. Um, uh, in terms of the arts versus the research. And in other cases, uh, there is more integration of uh, the artistic and, and, the, and the research process. To what extent do you think um, we need to uh, integrate between these two? Or is, is there actually something more, more freeing, more creative about running them in parallel and then watching for what synergies appear down the line, if they appear at all? I think it's very important that we don't say this is what we want, this is what we expect. I think the, the, the exciting thing about working with artists and artistic practices is they bring a completely different way of approaching problems. And as researchers, as social scientists, as natural scientists, we tend to have been schooled in a certain, a certain approach. So to say this is what we expect of an artist would be very very limiting and what's been very refreshing in the work that we've been able to um, see here is how completely different viewpoints are developing in an understanding of the very rich qualitative factors about living working and being in a rural environment yeah, so the, the last artist in residence uh, that we had was uh, a filmmaker and animator, Gemma Burdett, uh, and uh, her residence was titled The Art of Milk. Now, um, in the wider school that we're sitting in here, we have people who are working uh, with the dairy sector, um, who are studying the qualities of organic versus conventional milk, uh, for example, uh, people who are working uh, around the rural economy, um, uh, including the dairy farming sector as a, as a broader sector within uh, the agricultural landscape. Um, tell us, from your perspective, you, you were at the, the final exhibition, um, some of the things that, that you drew from that as an exhibition and how they might uh, differ from or complement some of the more scientific understandings of milk and dairy that, uh, that researchers perhaps are, are studying in, in the school. Well, I think that one of the interesting things was that the remit for this call was scale. And we hadn't considered thinking about anything as, as grounded as, as milk. But what Gemma did was she did a lot of close work with the farmers who have been involved and working in the dairy industry for a very, very long time and explored the way from their perspectives that scale has affected their working lives, both the spatial and temporal scale. 
And they really engaged and showed the way in which these systems work and the effects upon them and their families in the past and in the future. Now, at the preview of her show, I was lucky enough to talk to some of the farmers that that she'd worked with. And I asked them what the effect had been on them of, of having an artist work with them. And they said at first they were they they were rather bemused. They didn't they didn't really get it, but as time developed, they said they were very very pleased to feel that they were able to show, and particularly to be able to show in this interesting and exciting way how their lives were being affected, and aesthetically as well. Gemma's um, Gemma's film was wonderful. It was just a really beautiful thing to watch. So how their lives were being affected by by what is happening at the global scale, by by at the European scale, at the local scale, um, and how the dairy industry has been suffering very badly. Yeah, great. So it, actually, giving voice to people who would not normally have voice in a way that is incredibly powerful uh, and original on issues which are of direct relevance to them, but uh, to many others within their sector, and more broadly, as, mm-hmm. as, as farmers, mm-hmm. we are affected by the, the, the forces of globalisation. Um, as we move into, into Brexit, uh, a lot of people have a huge amount of uncertainty, um, and at these various different scales, uh, the, the farming community has to adapt in order to, to survive. And um, uh, one of the things that I think interests me in terms of impact is the way in which uh, working with artists in this way uh, can empower and give voice to marginalised communities, those who might not traditionally be given voice or be given a, a platform, um, and how those voices then actually engage others from those backgrounds and communicate with them uh, and actually can start to enable us to engage to, to a depth, maybe a breadth as well, I'm not sure, but to a depth that we might otherwise struggle to um, in terms of traditional conceptions of um, science, communication mm-hmm. and, and public mm-hmm. engagement. I think that the idea of breadth is, is very important as well because very often these communities are overlooked and one of the aspects, we had a filmmaker before, Peter Piotr Piasta, who made a very interesting piece of work, films with farmers, again, looking at the different um, institutions around farming and the historical aspects of it in rural Northumberland. Now, for example, his films are being shown at um, exhibitions all over the world. So it's, it's a way of making people stop in a world in which we have information overload um, of just stopping and appreciating a different place and a different time scale and how things are working and perhaps initiate more thought. So it's not an immediate effect of saying, oh, this is happening in rural Northumberland, but perhaps introducing a different perspective on the world and initiating a, a slight change sometimes in, in, in viewpoint, in where you stand. Yeah, it's been my experience as well. That, uh, for example, I um, commissioned a music video for a singer-songwriter and a, a, co- a collective of photographers, um, and it 
we did it for a particular purpose, uh, a national public awareness campaign in the UK, but it ended up being shown at an international event um, and is now leading to an international pathway to impact for this particular project that we had never foreseen when we mm, originally mm, commissioned mm, that work. Mm. Um, and I guess one of the challenges of engaging with uh, artistic practice, based on what you've said, if we want this to lead to engagement with specific groups and to achieve impact, is it's very hard to plan for this stuff. Um, do you think that, A, that we should plan for this, um, and B, if we can plan, are there any things that, that you can suggest in terms of how you might frame or, or set up collaborations that increase the likelihood of the kind of chance collisions that that, that you hope <laughs> might happen, uh, even although you can't predict them. That, uh, I don't know. Am I am I trying to put this all in a box again? I don't know. I I, I think you probably are, and I yeah. think that I think that that's a difficulty. It is hard to plan, and very often we can't foresee how things are going to work or who they're going to touch or the ways in which they're going to touch them. And perhaps for us as social scientists, that's something where we just have to stand back a bit and trust the process. I mean, we have an expectation, we have a more linear view of the world that we're working towards something. That's not necessarily how... um, an artistic process works or how the aesthetics of a process work and so in a way well no I'd say in a way I think we definitely have to trust the process here and just accept it's rather different from the way in which we work yeah so I wonder instead of taking the kind of the the logic model approach that that I take where you're going to say this is the outcome that we want and these are the groups we're going to work with these are the activities and you can string it all into a nice Mm. neat line Mm. um Perhaps instead this is about providing that complete creative freedom, but then as a researcher, um, staying close to that process, observing that process, um, being critical, taking that bird's eye view of it so that you are um, systematically and continuously identifying if and when opportunities arise uh, that can connect to perhaps your research themes or can connect to opportunities in the policy world, in the world of practice, in public consciousness, issues arising in the news Mm. or on social media or whatever, um, and to exploit those opportunities um, if and when they arise. And perhaps the way that you make this more likely Mm. to lead to engagement and lead to to impact is is actually a process of, of us as researchers engaging more in the process and and identifying and exploiting opportunities as they arise? I think you're right. And I think, for example, my my, um, role here within CRE from the perspective of rural development is is looking and and, and very carefully interacting with the artists, seeing, well, what are the opportunities? Where might there be other ways of using, and, and I say that, you know, or demonstrating or showing or exhibiting work um, so that we can expand the whole sphere of, of where we're communicating and what it is that the artist is trying to communicate. So we're actually assisting in opening up some of those spaces where these messages, these pieces of work can actually appear. Yeah, OK, cool. So my final question, Liz, I'm wondering for those listeners who want to embark on their own relationship with the creative arts um, as part of their research and or as part of their pathway to impact 
what are the various ways in which people can um, initiate these kinds of collaborations and, and start working with the creative arts? Well, for example, here at Newcastle, we have an institute, the Newcastle Institute for Creative Arts Practice, which works across the fine arts, all the visual arts and music, literary arts as well, um, and talking, talking to people. Because I think, again, as natural scientists or na uh, social science researchers, we sometimes can't even imagine how we might make these relationships work. So I think talking to, talking to artists at the beginning of projects is very important. Um, not thinking of artists of the, the add-ons at the end, but asking artists from university departments, from talk to curators in, in local um, galleries and museums, how to put you in contact with artists, because there are huge artist networks, and just think about how the, the arts in the broader sense might be introduced to a project. And I think now is a good time because the research councils, the funding bodies, are interested in much more interdisciplinary practice. And whereas the first step perhaps was the natural and the social scientists, now that's expanding. And so we're seeing arts and humanities as equally important in being involved in fruitful, useful, meaningful research. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage anyone who, who's thinking about it, talk to some artists. Great. So one route is, is within your own institution, um, talking to academics who already have those, those links, uh, getting put in touch with artists, starting those conversations um, as early as possible in the research process so that that, that practice can be integrated and, and influence what, what you are, are doing. Um, uh, just looking at, uh, again, at our own institution, but then generalising this further, not all universities will necessarily have uh, an institute or even a department that, that touches on these things. It may be quite hard for people to find academics in their own institution who can make those connections. But there are artists in residence programmes uh, across the country um, within uh, universities or research institutes. Uh, there are also many of these local arts projects, so Barrack Visual Arts here uh, in my own home uh, town. Uh, there's something called Devron Arts. Um, uh, collectives of uh, artists uh, with various different types of funding uh, who will be commissioning a programme of arts practice throughout the year uh, who may well be very interested in talking to you as a researcher and collaborating um, on something as part of, of that programme. Um, I, I wonder what do you think about, uh, about those as two other routes and if there are other routes uh, that people can go through to start opening up those conversations? No, I, you're absolutely right. Um, there are all sorts of different ways in which arts work within the community and art organisations and networks exist. Uh, even going along, if you still have one, to your local library. <laughs> but um, the artists are there and they're very active. We sometimes don't see them if we don't have that particular interest, but they are there and they're absolutely brimming with ideas. So 
do go along to local organisations, do talk to people in local networks, attend attend gallery openings. Um, most people who live in cities are able even to, to go along to um, small exhibitions they might see. And that will immediately open up an incredible network of artists and, and opportunities which I think both sides can benefit from enormously. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I think to conclude, uh, if if you're listening to this and this this has um, piqued your interest uh, and you are now starting to imagine uh, a whole load of new creative possibilities, uh, then then do something to act on this now. Uh, as Liz says, this is about uh, opening a conversation. Uh, it may be easiest to start that conversation with someone within your own disciplinary network, within your own university network. Find out who has those connections to artists because very often they will be the easiest people to start talking to uh, who can make those introductions and, and can ease your path. Um, but whether you're doing this uh, via uh, a colleague or whether you're doing this um, more in a kind of a cold calling way, uh, my hope is that, that you, through this, this episode, will have gone, uh, hopefully, on a, on a faster journey than what I've gone through from this idea that this is about communicating science to something which is, I hope, more respectful, more equal, more about collaboration uh, and uh, about respecting the, the creative freedom that uh, the arts need to succeed uh, and the ingenuity and creative possibilities that then arise when you enable that creative freedom to occur in the context of your own research alongside your research and start to really then creatively look for the opportunities to engage and to deliver impact linked to that research. Uh, I think this is one of the, the, the least predictable pathways to impact but for me as a result of that this can be I think some of the, uh, the, the more inspired um, uh, and 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 creatively interesting and engaging pathways to impact that you can pursue. Uh, one final thought from you, Liz. Great. Yes, please think about it. And if you if you're uncertain and you have no idea or anything, then just get in contact because we have we've already started off on this path, um, and there's a lot of learning, and we'd be very happy to to talk to anyone who were, who would like to chat some more about trying to move into having artists in working in collaboration in order to achieve further impact. Fantastic. Uh, that applies across all of the, the episodes of this podcast. Always please just get in touch if you want to find out more, if you want to pursue things, if you want to... Uh, to continue this conversation uh, I will put into the show notes uh, a link uh, to the CRE, uh, Centre for Rural Economy uh, Artists and Residents Programme um, and to Liz's homepage where you can get her uh, her email address, um, feel free to copy me into that email and then make that a three way conversation uh, let's, let's continue this um, but uh, whatever you do, don't uh, not talk talk to us talk to others in your institution and and start on this process because i guarantee you this will be rewarding it will be fascinating it will be creative if this has piqued your interest and you are now starting to imagine a whole range of new creative possibilities for your own research then do something to act on it this week as Liz said, it is as simple as starting a conversation. 
It may be easiest to start that conversation with someone within your own disciplinary network or university. Find out who has those connections with artists already, and they'll usually be the easiest person to start talking to first. They can make the introductions, they can ease your path. Whatever way you make contact, I hope you'll go on a much faster journey than it took me from this idea that is about communicating science to something that I hope is more respectful, more equal, more about collaboration and facilitating the creative freedom of the practitioners you work with and, and the ingenuity and crazy possibilities that, that arise when you afford that creative freedom in the context of your research. This is perhaps one of the least predictable pathways to impact, but as a result of that unpredictability, this can be some of the most inspired, enthralling and engaging pathways to impact that you can pursue.